Hey everybody, this is James Knoll. It is February 9th and I am recording this in Studio X, which is what I call my little tiny recording booth of a recording studio here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Um, I was actually just recording, uh, I guess it was season two or season four, episode two of, of The Hive. And I thought I'd pop in and do the closer for season two. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed all the new characters, especially the girl and all her weird friends. And you are about to embark on the final episode of that season. Never give up on family. I hope you enjoyed everything, and uh, I'll see you next week when you open up the first episode of Season 3. Got a whole new cast of characters there, um, especially uh, especially the ones I especially like were, uh, um, not Mother Absalom, gosh, who am I talking about here? Uh, the Melonhead Kids and Dr. Huntington and a whole bunch of crypto monsters and weird mashup creatures and all sorts of weird stuff. Oh, and I also set the... Uh, a lot of the season in the place where I work right now, Cortland High School. Um, so that was a lot of fun to do. Anyways, you guys are awesome. Thank you for sticking around for so long. I take it that you enjoy what you're listening to, and I'll keep on producing more. Uh, so season three is coming up next, and I will see you all next week. Never give up on family. That his brother, my Uncle Zeus, was about as near-do-well as near-do-wells get. That boy had problems that ran deeper than the ocean, which was funny because he was about as profound as a puddle. My Nana always knew he was going to be trouble, too. Papa Jet was on a bender when he was conceived, and the second he grew feet, he started kicking me like about to lacerate my organs. He was a breech birth, came out all jaundiced, and we had to leave him in the hospital for a week just to get his skin the right color. Damn near cost us the house. That pretty much defined the rest of Uncle Zeus's life. He refused to walk until he was two. Not because he couldn't, he could, but he just liked making life hard for his family. He loved to use his vocal cords, though. Screamed to wake the devil for months after they brought him home, and when he learned how to talk, his first word wasn't mama or daddy, but hell. Come to think of it, maybe that's why daddy always had a hard time with me using that word. Zeus tore a holy terror through Spotsylvania County for 20 years, from elementary school all the way up to the day he robbed a bank and got himself thrown in the federal pen. He was in and out of jail ever since. And every single time he got out, Daddy let him come home and stay in his old room. It wasn't like Zeus wasn't likable because he was, charming the pants off of every woman he met, even the ones he didn't want to sleep with. I wasn't no hussy, but I wasn't no prude neither, and I could understand why women liked him. He wasn't the handsomest man, but he was funny and merry and always ready with a joke or a great story, and he was always willing to shuck responsibility when something more appealing presented itself. He won me over and broke my heart dozens of times, and I was his own niece. Last time I saw him was when I was in sixth grade. He'd been staying at our place for about a year, 
Got him a construction job and a bank account. Even got himself a girlfriend. I never met her, but Daddy said she was nice. It all fell apart the morning of my 12th birthday, when I awoke to quiet the gift. Uncle Zeus had stolen my mint-conditioned Mr. Wrinkles doll collection, one of Daddy's antique Colt revolvers, and about $10,000 in cash. The Mr. Wrinkles theft was insulting enough, but Daddy was going to use his money to fix up the house, replace the roof, get a new hot water heater. Not no more. Uncle Zeus bought himself a whole bunch of cocaine, got drunk, and boosted a Cadillac, which he promptly ran into Lake Anna. The look on Daddy's face when he found his safe door wrenched open that morning was a strange mixture of anger, disgust, and sadness. And I didn't know which one would win out until I told him my Mr. Wrinkles collection was gone. The collector's edition? Uh-huh. All the sadness drained out of him, leaving the other two to battle it out. He pressed his lips together, his eyes searching for something, anything to focus on. I thought his head was going to explode. Then he stomped straight out of the house. I knew better than the badger him about it, but I was only 12 and I had a ton of questions, so I waited a full five minutes to follow him. He was in Maurice, going to town on a punching bag hanging from one of the beams. He beat that thing until his face was as red as a fire hydrant. When he'd had enough, he went over to his work table and took a tug from a bottle of whiskey. You okay, Daddy? I asked. No, not yet. You mind if I ask you a question? Don't suppose I can stop you. What's wrong with him? He studied long and hard on it, between pulls on the bottle. Well, Amanda, he said, I don't rightly know. But I'm just a kid, and his niece. Why would he do something like that to me? Daddy shrugged. Well, there's some people who want to get along with the world and not make no fuss. They're content to follow the rules and live the way they're supposed to because it makes them happy. Then there's some who see the world as the enemy, and they'll bark and rail and rage against it to their dying days for the same reason. Your Uncle Zeus is one of the latters. Now it's my turn to study on it. Will I end up like him? I'd never seen Daddy cry, but he came damn close then. His face softened, and he gave me a smile the likes of which I'd remember for the rest of my life, full of sadness and warmth. Amanda May Jett. You're the most caring, loving, beautiful person I ever knew. Other than your mother, of course. You're nothing like your Uncle Zeus, and you never will be. Your Uncle Zeus is a plague upon everyone he ever met. You're the cure. Then why do you let him come home whenever he wants? Because he's family. And you never give up on family. That's why, seven years after the last time I saw him, and less than a year after the end of the world, when Zeus showed up at the farm, I let him stay. Let me back up a little bit and set the scene. Early one morning, a month after the events at the First Country Baptist Church, I sat up in bed in a cold sweat. I'd had the worst nightmare I could remember. Daddy was in it, and he was trying to kill me. I don't remember all the details, just that wherever I ran, that's where he was. Last thing that happened before I woke up was his face was in mine as he strangled me to death, and he was saying, Family's family, Amanda. You belong with me. I went down to the kitchen and boiled some water on the stove. My water wheel project was canceled due to lack of interest. The stream had burst through the dam anyway. At least it was running again, which was good for us because since the noon well never came back up, and since I didn't know a lick about digging another one, it was the stream or nothing. The sun had barely peeked out over the tops of the trees when I went out onto the front porch with a cup of tea. I'd just sat down in Daddy's rocker when I saw a figure slip over the east wall and drop into our compound. Rather than panic and start shooting up the place, I decided to watch the events unfold as they would. And you might be thinking to yourself, now why in the hell do you want to do something like that? 
No reason specifically, except that I only had one bullet left and I didn't want to waste it. Then you might be thinking, well, why didn't the wall guard catch what was going on? And you'd be right to ask yourself that question. The answer is simple. We didn't have enough people to guard the wall anymore. Not 24-7. Three people died from the well poisoning, and after that, three more figured they'd try their fortunes elsewhere. We took turns mining it at various points during the day, keeping a rotating schedule so that if we were being watched, the watchers could never be sure of when our watch was on watch. And what that meant was that sometimes we had people up in the middle of the night, and sometimes we didn't. Sometimes the wall was guarded. Sometimes it wasn't. Don't get me wrong. If I'd seen more forms than one slipping over, I'd have raised the alarm and got to work. But it was clearly just the one. And whoever it was kind of fell over the side all awkward and cussed when he landed because of the thorny bushes we planted around the base. That made him scream and cuss some more, using a word I don't think my Nana would have liked to hear too much, which is saying something considering how much he enjoyed using colorful language. After a minute of watching him flail around, I realized I didn't have to worry about a thing. Because if this was a raider, or a marauder, or a murderer, or a mac, or worse, well, first I don't think he would have quite acted that way. And if he was one of them things, he was like to be pretty bad at it. No, he wasn't nobody I had to worry about coming to rape us and kill us. He was worse. I had my suspicions, but it wasn't until I saw him saunter up the driveway, picking prickers and sticky leaves out of his hair and arms and clothes, that I understood how much worse. He was muttering to himself, using that style of subsonic critique specific to rural folk the countrywide, a kind of running monologue simultaneously describing and complaining about everything around him. The sun finally crested the top of the trees and pinpointed him as he crossed the yard and stepped into the gravel drive. I thought, uh-huh, it was Uncle Zeus. He plucked the last pricker off his shoulder and gazed at the house with his hands on his hips. He looked like he was thinking, home sweet home, though knowing Zeus, he probably put a cuss word between the noun and the adjective. After a second, he started for the front door like he owned the place, like he hadn't been in jail for the last five years. I'd pulled the rocker back into the shadows and he couldn't really see me, which is probably why when he reached the front step, he jumped when I said, that's far enough. He didn't stop, though. He kind of half squatted, half walked a few steps forward, squinting in my direction. Who's there? This ain't your house. This here's private property. You'd best be... I already had my gun sitting on my thigh, so I checked my clip and snapped it back in. Only had that one bullet, but Uncle Zeus was a jet and a Spotsylvania boy, born and raised. He knew what that sound meant. He stopped and stood straight up. You move one more step and that'll be it for you, I said. No, it won't. Is that a risk you're willing to take? He sauntered forward. Little girl, if you wanted to shoot me, you already... I palmed the slide and chambered the bullet, and Uncle Zeus cowered in place. Okay, okay. You take it easy now. Call me girl again. Well, that's what you are, ain't you? Mister, I could be an old woman or a teenage transvestite and it wouldn't matter one lick. I'm still the one with the gun. Transvestite? Look, where's Bill Jett? He's the rightful owner of this place. Not no more. What'd you do to him? He had a daughter too. I swear if you hurt them, daddy's dead, Zeus. There is a beat you can run a bear through. Manda? That you? Would it matter if I said I wasn't? Holy crow! Man of May Jet! Well, hell, well, hell! What's the matter with you? I about near stormed the house. I would have taken you out. Who's this? That was Timmy Carter. He must have heard the voices. I already told you how big Timmy Carter was. Man had biceps like a bus, shoulders like mountains, and legs like, well, I don't know. I'm all out of metaphor. Let's just say his legs were huge. It was all gym muscle, true, but gym muscle still muscle. We didn't have a gym, so we made do. 
Once I seen him hook up two heavy chains to one of the wall posts and spend the morning shaking him. Left, right, left, right, causing ripples to run up the muscles of his back and shoulders. This was in the middle of February, mine, and Timmy Carter worked up such a heat that it plumed off his body in great gouts. It was a marvel to watch. Oh, hey, Timmy Carter, I said. This here's my Uncle Zeus. Don't loan him anything valuable. Zeus said, come on, Amanda, that ain't fair. Where's my Mr. Wrinkles? That made him think. The doll? The collection. Uh, it was a collector's item. I could have used it to go to college. Amanda, that was five years ago. Well, a cat never does lose its stripes. That don't make no sense. I aimed the gun at him again and stood up. Timmy Carter came up behind me saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's not going to shoot me. Ain't that right, Amanda? I studied on it, holding the gun on him. He smiled and I shook my head. Then I put it back in its holster. Timmy Carter let out the breath he was holding and the air lightened considerable. Then Frankie showed up at the door. What the hell's all this noise? I turned around and pushed past her and into the house. Sorry, Frankie. That mean I can come in? Uncle Zeus called. No. You can't leave me out here. Just watch me. I retreated a few steps into the hall far enough so that he couldn't see me and watched to see what would happen next. Uncle Zeus started to walk forward like he was going to come in anyhow, but Timmy Carter stepped in front of him and he backed off, hands up. That made me smile. Frankie came into the kitchen while I was getting the stove hot for breakfast. Eggs. Again. That's the thing people don't tell you about owning chickens. You'll never want for eggs. Ours produced so many that we couldn't eat them fast enough. Not even Timmy Carter. It was our sole source of protein all winter long. And we were all getting mighty sick of them. I couldn't wait for the spring fruits and vegetables to bloom. And not the hothouse hydroponics we grew in the basement all winter, but the real deal. Salt of the earth type stuff. There's a difference in taste, trust me. I already seen some asparagus and strawberries come up. My mouth started watering just thinking about it. You can't leave him out there, Frankie said. Oh, yes, I can. You don't know my Uncle Zeus. He's a liar and a criminal. He'll bring this place down. Timmy Carter came in. You're just going to leave him out there? Oh, hell, you too, Timmy Carter? Amanda, we're down six people. We're going to need help with this place. You said it yourself. I pretended to tend the little flames looking at the kindling. He was right. Daddy used to hire day laborers to help with the fields. We needed at least 12 people to make the farm work during the year. I closed the stove grate with a whine and a clank and clapped my hands on my jeans. Fine, but I'll need help keeping an eye on him. He's up to something, I swear. I didn't have to worry about keeping an eye on him for too long. We found out exactly what he was scheming a few minutes later. Uncle Zeus sauntered into the house looking like the cat that ate the goldfish. It took all I could take not to punch him in the face. He seen me standing in the kitchen heading my way. Timmy Carter followed him and threw a twenty-two and a screwdriver that had been sharpened to a point onto the counter. This is all he had. Well, 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 Zeus said. Looks like Brother Billy did all right for herself after all. Fixed this place up nice. The smile on his face as he looked around reminded me of a fox. Don't touch anything, I said. Manda, is that any way to talk to family? You've been right ornery since I snuck over your little wall. You're surrounded by a bunch of people with guns, Zeus. They might not know you, but I do. And they like me, and I don't like you. So I'll let you do the figuring on that one. He shot a look at Timmy Carter. You mean Hercules over here? I faced down bigger meat than him in Petersburg. Big guys always fall the hardest. See, Zeus, that's the thing you don't understand here. In prison, maybe you got to fight one-on-one. Maybe you had that shiv or some other weapon. Maybe you could beat Timmy Carter up. I doubt it, but let's just pretend you could. But out here, in my house, if that happened, 
I just use it as an excuse to shoot you in the back of the head. Zeus whistled and laughed. <whistles> well, damn, Manda, if you ain't the sweetest little peach. Don't call me that. You used to like it when I called you that. I'm beginning to think Billy never taught you no manners. Manners? You mean like the ones you learned in prison? He gave me a tight smile. What do you want, Zeus? Food? Water? Take some eggs and a jug and get the hell out. That ain't what I want. I followed his eyes as he cased the kitchen. You looking for daddy's stash? Golly, gumdrops if you ain't the stupidest man alive. Well, where is it? Gone, Zeus. All of it? The whole crop? When? When do you think? Before all this happened? Well, that's a mite disappointing. But fortunately for you, that ain't why I'm here. You mind telling me why, then? Then Zeus did the strangest thing. He hunched forward a little and cocked his head like he was listening for something. I just about had enough. What are you doing? Shh! I looked at Timmy Carter, who shrugged. Seriously, Uncle Zeus, just give it a minute. Then we heard it. First the sound of a revved-up engine, then the sound of a massive crash, then men yelling, then gunfire. The window shattered and I hit the deck. Timmy Carter said, Frankie, and ran off. Uncle Zeus took the opportunity to snatch his knife and twenty-two off the counter. And by the time I was on my feet, he was already aiming it at me. You're going to regret talking to me the way you done. Zeus marched me across the property to the gate, or what was left of it. Men I ain't never seen before were running all over the place. Fully armed men. A couple of our guys were running out of the house, firing at the attackers. One was shot to bits a few feet from me. Another managed to hit one of the intruders before he got lit up from all sides. My good-for-nothing uncle walked me through it all, not even ducking, his long hair breathing behind them in the new morning sun. Storm clouds were rolling in from the west. I could see him dark and dangerous in the pink and orange sky. Timmy Carter and Frankie were already kneeled up against the wall, their hands clasped over their heads, and Zeus pushed me up against it next to them. Mother Absalom, he yelled. I got me some fresh meat. He turned to us. You're going to like Mother Absalom. She's a right funky animal. One of our people, a woman named Betty, ran out of the gate, heading for the woods, half-dressed. She shot a panic, looked over her shoulder, and Uncle Zeus fired off a wild shot and missed. Come on, Zeus! Someone yelled. And then she appeared. Mother Absalom. The tallest, baddest, ugliest beast I ever seen. If Ruth Grace Hogg had an older sister, she would have looked just like Mother Absalom. Gorilla arms, monobrow, beard, and all. She wore her hair in a mullet mohawk. It's a thing, trust me had a wallet on a chain clipped to her dickies, and preferred her flannel jeans jacket sleeveless. I didn't blame her for that last one. Gorilla arms is gorilla arms, and hers was particularly impressive. And the snake tattoo she had rolling in and out of the muscular lumps of her biceps and triceps only made it that much cooler looking. And did she carry a gun? Of course not. 
If you're going to adopt the fashion choices of a lumberjack, you better be prepared to arm yourself like one, which is why she was carrying two axes. Throwing axes, that is. Mother Absalom. She took three steps and hurled one of them at Betty, caught her in the back. Betty went down hard, bounced in the gravel, and lay there, arms out, body twitching. If you're going to use that thing, better make the bullets count, Mother Absalom said to Zeus. She tromped over to Betty's body and ripped the axe out of her back. Then she stomped back our way, wiping the blade off on her pants. That's your niece? Yeah. Man of Jet, meet Mother Absalom. I'm sure she don't care one bit, Zeus. Well, manners is manners. Oh, you learned that in the pan? That's funny. Manna said the same thing. Uh, I guess we're just two peas in a pod. She stepped in front of me and scowled. Looks like you picked the wrong man for an uncle. Funny how I already knew that. Ha! <laughs> You're right, Zeus. I do like her. Yeah, she got her daddy's sharp tongue all right, Zeus said. She don't watch it. I'm like to cut it out. Oh, come on now. I'm sure that won't be necessary. A few fat drops of rain splattered in the dirt. Timmy Carter and Frankie were looking west at the clouds. They were closer now and darker. I'd never seen a storm move in so fast. Looks like we're going to have us a goat drowner, Zeus said. Mother Absalom laughed. Goat drowner? I like that. I said to Timmy Carter, get ready. Shut up, girl, Mother Absalom yelled. She backhanded me so hard my teeth clacked. If you don't know it already, I was getting awfully sick of everybody calling me that. But my feelings about the matter were trumped by the sight of the last one of our people, a man named Vernon, dashing out of the gate. He took a pot shot at Zeus and Mother Absalom, and it went wide. And as he backpedaled, Mother Absalom whipped her axe at him fast as a snake strike, and it thudded right into his chest. He fell dead on the spot. Mother Absalom tisked as if she didn't relish the task. That was a shame. That there was a strong one. Could have used him. She looked down at my face with an expression that was almost regretful. You know, usually I try to say something smart in situations like this. Take my time. Draw out the suspense. I don't feel like that today. She took out her second axe and twirled it in her hands. For the first time in my life, I seen a mote of doubt ripple across Uncle Zeus's face. Hold on, Mother Absalom. What do you want, Zeus? This wasn't part of the deal. Yeah, well, I changed my mind. It happened so quick that I didn't even have time to react. Mother Absalom stepped toward me and raised her axe over her head. I closed my eyes, and Uncle Zeus said, Wait! No! And then a sonic boom sounded from the west, hit so hard that it shook the ground. The mulleted crazy woman standing over me stopped. The hell was that? We all craned our necks toward the sound. A black line of rain was rushing toward us. A wall, really, advancing like nature stormtroopers. Lightning flashed inside its core, and the rumble grew louder and louder, and trees cracked as the wall ripped forward, and I was brought back to two months before when I first met the girl out in the middle of that blizzard. I knew what was about to happen, and the worst thing was I couldn't do nothing about it. We were already backed up against Daddy's wall. Frankie had the right idea. She hopped up to her feet and ran. Mother Absalom spun around and launched the axe at her, but Timmy Carter rammed her knee with his shoulder and the axe flew strange. He didn't have to do that, though because the wind picked it up like it was a toy and blew it up and up and up until we couldn't see it anymore. He was on Mother Absalom fast as a fox. He headbutted her and she grunted. Then he popped up and put one knee on her chest and one on her neck. Mother Absalom wasn't one to be easily subdued, though. She punched him right in the balls, and he keeled over to one side. Then the storm was on us, and with it, the two black balls roared across the landscape, tearing up the earth. Lightning zapped the wall in three spots and it exploded with shards of wood and metal. A group of Uncle Zeus's men was impaled. Mother Absalom, who was on her feet now, standing over the prone figure of Timmy Carter, was sucked into the sky. 
followed close behind by Uncle Zeus, then Timmy Carter, then me. I don't know if any of y'all ever been sucked into the sky by a super mega death ball storm, but it feels a whole lot like being an ant in a clothes dryer. I was whipped around in all directions, this way and that, and my neck felt like it was going to break clean in two. Those of you who think it was anything like being Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz have another thing coming. First of all, she was in a house, and second of all, that was a book, dummy, and a fantasy book written for kids. Ain't no way it mimicked reality in the slightest. Mother Absalom whipped by, screaming and spinning like a top. Timmy Carter passed me next, twisting and tumbling. I might have seen Uncle Zeus, but couldn't be sure. Chunks of rocks and dirt and trees zipped all around us. A hunk of earth struck me in my bad leg, and it felt like the old fault line cracked. Then Uncle Zeus really did fly by, screaming all kinds of filth he probably learned in prison, at least until a tree branch hit him in the head and knocked him out cold. Then the winds died down, happened abruptly, like we'd hit a wall. We dropped in stages, a hundred fast feet at a time, stole the breath from my lungs. And if that wasn't scary enough, the rain and clouds started clearing up, and I saw what was going to happen to us. There was a hive sitting in an open field, its pink and green flat pulsing in a dying storm, and we were heading right for it. The wind turned from feral to focused, and I found myself shooting along a tube, funneling me directly into it. I thought about the prior fall when I blew up my first hive with a stuffed dog crammed with explosives. I thought about the first time I killed a Mac, said Mac that little runt. And I thought about poor pregnant Lynn and Charlene and Dez and Gomez Gomez. Maybe this was finally payback for all the wrong I'd done to them, even if they were the enemy, even if they were trying to kill me first. Oh well, there was nothing to do about it now. I shot into the high's opening with a wet slurp. At first it was dark and warm and smelly. Smells like roasted goat shit, Daddy had said at one time. He was not inaccurate. Little by little, the smell grew worse. Or better, I couldn't tell. Was I just getting used to it? And then my brain, realizing how bad it was, reset? I was on my knees, and my hands and feet were bound by something soft, slick, and slithery. I heard a sniff and some movement, and realized that there were other people in there with me. Hello? I said. Amanda, that you? Great. Uncle Zeus. I just about hoped you were dead, Uncle Zeus. Now that's just hurtful. Well, it's true. Well, I can't say I feel the same about you. You shouldn't take this personal, you know. I laughed. <laughs> Which part? The sneaking into my farm and being a lying jerk part? Or the killing my friends and trying to kill me part? You always were a smart little princess, you know that? I never knew why Billy didn't take a whip to you. Probably because I'd take that whip away and beat him with it. Now it was his turn to laugh. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about right there. If you were my... You can stop right there, Zeus. I ain't your daughter, and I never will be. You as cold as a witch's titty, girl. And you're as stupid as stupid comes. He snorted, and that's where we let it lie for a time. Gradually, the darkness gave way to a sickly green light, and I saw that we weren't the only ones in there. We'd been stored in some kind of circular chamber, the walls of which breathed and pulsed, breathed and pulsed, like the lungs of an animal. Which, I guess, it was. The green was warm by pink all of a sudden, creating a color combination that I'm sure only the homeless or drunk people was familiar with. I could see a lot better, though. All around the chamber were other people, all of them up on their knees, just like me. Some of them were alive. Some of them were so decomposed that they was little more than skeletons. And there were some weird skeletons in there, too, bodies and shapes I'd never seen before. Zeus was opposite of me, Timmy Carter between us to the right, his head hanging on his chest. Mother Absalom was between us on the left, and she was coming around. If I was at six, and Zeus was at twelve, Timmy Carter was three, and Mother Absalom nine. 
I wondered if this had been done for a reason. What in the holy horseshit is all this? Mother Absalom muttered. She read the room, saw the dead and the living, and the weird skeletons too, and a sneer formed on her lips. Zeus, you got to, I'm working on it. We'll work faster. The pink and green lights pulsed on and off in a clear rhythm, accompanied by an electric hum that rose and fell, then an opening formed at my one, first a line with folds, then lips, then a hood, then the opening itself. The smell grew worse, stronger, accompanied by a squelching sound, and, even worse than that, scrabbling and chittering, like a horde of insectile crabs was stampeding our way. And wouldn't you know it, that's exactly what poured out of that slit. Dozens of insectile crabs. Crabs by themselves is insectile enough with them eyes on stalks, but these ones scrambled about not just on crazy crab legs, but also on what looked like dozens of little feelers in the bottom of their bodies. I didn't pay too much attention in biology, but I knew enough to know that that wasn't right. Didn't help that they was covered in white fur neither, like polar bears. All in all, it was, by definition, the creepiest thing I ever seen. Then they started eating everybody. Swarmed the first body they seen and picked it clean like, well, like crab things swarming a body, I guess. Fortunately, it was a dead body, but that didn't mean it wasn't the most god-awful sound I never wanted to hear. There's a condition called misophonia. I learned about it in psychology. Have you ever been driven crazy by sounds? Maybe the sound of people eating makes you want to stab them in the ear? You got yourself a bad case of misophonia. People eating don't bother me, probably because I'm pretty bad about smacking and slurping and chewing and gulping myself. But hearing them crab things smack and slurp and chew and gulp down all them dead bodies made me study hard on developing myself a case of misophonia. Then they hit the first live person and it got exponentially worse. I don't think I have to explain how adding screams and cries and moans and pleading to all the other stuff would create an untenable listening situation. They made their way around the circle counterclockwise, and it looked like Mother Absalom would be the first of our little foursome to be eaten. Zeus! she yelled. I said I'm working on it! They finished the dead man lying next to her and scrabbled over. Zeus! Almost there! It was too late. They were on her. Zoomed over that gross breathing floor and started on her feet. She was screaming and cussing. Daddy would not have approved. Then Zeus popped free, wielding that shiv in his hand. He waded into the melee, stomping and kicking and sweeping them things off her. They scattered, unaccustomed, I assume, to any sort of resistance. Zeus reached behind Mother Absalom and cut her loose. She fell flat on her face. Based on the way her legs looked, the missing chunks and the associated bleeding and such, Falling on her face was probably the most appropriate reaction. Shouldn't have bothered me one bit, not after what she'd done to me and mine, but it did. See, that's the difference between a person like me and a person like her. I feel empathy. The crabs regrouped and moved on to the next easiest target, that being a dead woman lying next to where Mother Absalom just was. Meanwhile, Zeus dragged her to the center of the chamber. Then he came over to me and started cutting away at my tentacle binds. When he was done... I got shakily to my feet and rubbed my wrists, trying to get the blood flowing into him again. Give me that, I said, looking at his shiv. Why, so you can... I punched him in the nose. I wasn't a super strong girl, and I certainly wasn't no pugilist, but between daddy and them self-defense classes, I knew how to break a nose. Ow! God damn it, Manda! Zeus's hands flew up to his face, and as the blood poured down his chin and between his fingers, I pried the shiv out of his grip and set over to Timmy Carter, who was still passed out. You broke my nose, Zeus yelled. I cut the tentacles off Timmy Carter and tried to catch him as he fell, but that man was too much muscle for me. Well, that was the plan. I just saved your life. Give me a break, Zeus. Help me with him. 
Between the two of us, we managed to drag him over to the middle of the chamber next to Mother Absalom. Then I set to stabbing and ripping apart the wall. Zeus joined me. The crabs picked up speed, moving from body to body faster and faster, and before long, they'd be on us again. I cut a fist-sized hole in the side and punched all the way through. And fresh air filled the hive, and oh, I'd never thought I'd smell something as clean and clear and wonderful as that. I was about to start ripping more hunks out when the crab things all stopped, perking up their eye stalks as if they'd heard a silent alarm. Then they filed as one toward the slit in the wall they'd come out of and disappeared into it. Zeus and I stood there watching it, amazed, then shared a glance. That don't seem good to me, he said. "Uh Uh-uh. The green and pink lights warmed up again, and down through the top of the chamber a form appeared, feet first, then legs, then torso, floating down to us with his arms spread out, palms up. It was Daddy. He looked at me and Zeus when he landed, a beatific expression on his face. Then he held his arms out to me and said, Manda. Zeus said, Manda, don't you move. I ain't going nowhere. Because that wasn't Daddy. I knew that. It might have been a thing that looked like him, just like the thing that looked like my mama, but it wasn't him. If I went over, he'd unhinge his jaw and send another nest of tentacles out at me. And I'll tell you what, I'd had enough of people with nests of tentacles in their mouths sending them out at me. Daddy's smile twitched. He looked down at Timmy Carter and Mother Absalom lying unconscious on the pulsing floor, and with a twitch of his hand, he flung them to either side of the chamber. Their eyes flew open and their bodies went rigid, and I could tell they were trying to scream, but no sound came out. Daddy turned that smile on me. I just want to talk, Manda. You probably know that I didn't care a lick about Mother Absalom, but Timmy Carter had become a good friend to me over the course of the past year. He was as kind and capable a person as anybody would ever want to meet, and seeing him suffer like that at the hands of a monster that not only killed my daddy, but had the gumption to take on his skin, boiled my blood, if you know what I mean. I palmed the shiv against my forearm, feeling the point of it pressing to my skin. Okay, I said, but put them down first. Daddy smiled even wider. Okay, Amanda. Anything for my sweet little pea. He dropped his hands, and Mother Absalom and Timmy Carter dropped. Manda, don't, Uncle Zeus said. Shut up, Uncle Zeus. And I started walking across the floor, trying to ignore the squelching my shoes made. Daddy held his arms out to me now, a soft expression on his face that, if I didn't know any better, I might have mistook for love. But it wasn't love. It was greed. That's right, girl. Come to me. It'll all be over soon. I closed my eyes when I reached him let his arms drape around me, but before he could complete his embrace, I brought the shiv up behind him and jammed it through the back of his head. He squealed and twisted, and the blast of power shot out of his hand, sending me flying backward. I hit the wall and fell, but it didn't knock me out. That was the hive's one serious design flaw. Everything was soft and given. I got up on my hands and knees. Daddy was twirling around the chamber. He grabbed the shiv and yanked it out of the back of his head, and green, slimy fluid spewed out of it in a torrent and then it was his turn to fall to his knees. He stayed there, staring at us. He burped up some green stuff that stained his mouth and ran down his chin. You're all going to die. All of you. You think you can... Uncle Zeus stomped up to him and kicked him in the face. Daddy fell back, and Zeus stomped on his head until green jelly came out. Then the crabs came back. They poured in from two slits this time, more and more of them. They swarmed over Daddy's body, swarmed over the other bodies, swarmed over everything that was between us and them. Me and Zeus ran to the part of the wall we'd already tore open and started digging away with our hands. 
Purple and green fluid ran out over my arms, burning my skin. We ripped and tore and ripped and tore until I felt certain I could get a body through. Zeus jumped back and started dragging Mother Absalom by the arms, and we pushed and bullied her through. Then we went for Timmy Carter and did the same to him. A crab scuttled for Zeus's leg, and he jumped up and stomped on it. Another one chomped on his foot, and he screamed and reached down to pull it off. And that was his fatal mistake. Three more leaped onto his arms and shoulders. Then another. And another. I knocked one off, but it didn't do much good. Zeus turned to me, a look of profound surprise and regret on his face, and said, Amanda, go. But, damn it, girl, go! He turned around to face a throng of monsters flowing like an ocean toward him and threw himself in the middle of it all. And they swarmed. Mother Absalom was dead. Blood out from her wounds, I guess. Timmy Carter, thank goodness, was not. He was shook up, lightheaded and sick, but he had an Aryan injury on him. The storm had brought us clear to Caroline County, a few miles south of Lake Caroline herself. I knew exactly how to get back, but with Timmy Carter being injured again, it took us more than half the remainder of the day to walk home. Not that it mattered. The walls were completely destroyed, and the barn, and Maurice, and the house too. Mother Absalom's men and our people lay dead all over the torn-up fields. Timmy Carter searched and searched for Frankie, calling her name until he went hoarse, but she never showed up. We never found her body, neither. I fell to my knees in front of what used to be my front porch and looked around at the destruction, dazed. I had no idea what to do next. Hey, hey, thank you for tuning into the Mad Tales podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's chapter. If you cannot wait until next week to finish the story, you can always buy it in ebook and paperback form from Amazon.com or 
You can buy it directly from me, both in ebook and in paperback, a signed paperback nonetheless, uh, from my website, www.jamesnoll.net. That's www.jamesnoll.net. And if you would love to support me on Patreon, I would love you to support me on Patreon. I'm offering all kinds of cool extras, including access to bonus material, uh, the ebooks released one week at a time, the chapter at a time, uh, customized short stories. And if I can build enough of a following, I want to film a live action version of Make the Hive Great Again, one of my favorite chapters from the Hive. It's uh, at the end of the first season. It's the very last chapter of the, of the first season. That would be an awesome thing to do. So, if you want to visit my Patreon page, it's www.patreon.com slash madtails. That would be fantastic. And I will see you guys next week.